everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on RashPixel.fm. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Nikki Kinzer. Hello, Nikki. Hello, Pete Wright. Hello, everyone. Don't talk too much. I know. I still have that silly cough. You're going on, what, eight weeks? <laughs> it feels like it. I don't think it's been that it's long. A, it's Nikki's <laughs> quarterly cough. It is. It's always around January, February. Now March. it's March. I know. It's awful. So terrible. Uh, this yeah. week we are we are going to talk about parenting, and we're going to talk just a little bit about uh, uh, more about Brene Brown and some of the things that she said on on parenting. Before we talk about uh, parenting and ADHD, based on a great question from a listener on Facebook. But before we do that, uh, I want you to head over to takecontroladhd.com. Get to know us a little bit better. Subscribe to the mailing list. Uh, we're we're sending out just these really really brief little emails each week when a new show goes live. So if you've ever had trouble thinking about, oh, subscribing to the podcast is a pain. How do I know when new episodes come up? You subscribe via email. You'll never miss an episode. Um, you can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook, as this wonderful listener has, uh, at Take Control ADHD, or call us, leave us a voicemail at 503-664-4ADD, and get your voice, your thoughts on this show. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget, last thing, small group coaching uh, registration is still open for groups. We've got two more weeks to get yes. your name into a new group starting in April, right? Two more weeks, yes. So, two more yes, weeks. Yes, exactly, because it's going to end on March 29th, and then I'm going to get the groups together and send out emails of, of when you're meeting and all that. And uh, and the the groups will start that m- the week of April 6th. Excellent. So, All right. Yeah. And we're still, I, I, I have, you know, they're forming. These groups are forming, but I still need more people. So, um, you know, take a look at the website and see if you have questions, additional questions, please, you know. And I do want to confirm, because we've had a couple of questions on Facebook, just to confirm, these are virtual groups, right? There's no need to meet in person. You, you, you do this on the phone and online. And so, um, you know, that's don't, don't worry about, uh, getting in the car and fighting traffic and such like such and so. All right. All right. Yep. You got it. Excellent. Okay. Uh, Now we have, well, I think we have a little bit of uh, listener feedback. Uh, I want to talk about one uh, in particular, had a great and fun exchange with the kind uh, Don Winkleman on Twitter. Uh, Thank you so much, Don, for writing in. And I'm so proud of you for getting the treadmill desk at Christmas. That is awesome. And so and she writes that she's at, uh, at 0.04 miles an hour when she has to concentrate, but at a full mile an hour, she's walking a mile an hour when opening mail, reading video games or on the phone. That is really cool. Uh, and I'm so glad to hear that that's working for you, Dawn. So thanks for writing in. Yes. What did you have? I received an email um, this morning from a listener who was interested actually in the group coaching. And uh, before she asked me the questions about that, she said, um, first, let me just say before I found your podcast last year, I was truly lost. After being diagnosed when I was 39, I finally understood why I had been doing the things I did my entire life, but had no idea how to deal with it. Of course, the diagnosis also came at a point when most people are gearing up for that lovely midlife crisis. And it was all becoming too overwhelming to me. Listening to your podcast made me realize that I'm not alone and it's not too late to do something about it. Oh, <laughs> that is so nice. And it was so nice because it, it came in the morning, like before we were going to record, which is just perfect timing because it's just always that, not that I need 
motivation to do a recording, but it's just that additional, <laughs> like, Hey, you're doing this and it's working and, you know, people care. And I mean, it's just a really nice validation is what it is, not motivation, but yes. that, you know, it just really validates what, what we're doing, Pete. And, uh, I just really appreciate that. And I just want to say thank you. Um, I'm not going to use your name for privacy reasons, but, um, it, uh, it was just, it, it meant a lot to me. It, it means a great deal to me too. That is, that's uh-huh. so sweet. Um, you know, can I pimp a product unrelated? Sure. I get such joy <laughs> out of this little thing that I get in the mail once a quarter. I've talked about field notes, right? Do you remember me talking about field notes? Mm. No, I nothing. Don't I don't know. Okay. Do so, you know, I love my Moleskine notebooks. I really do. And, and I've used them. I use my Evernote Moleskine notebook. I take pictures of it. But I, I was uh, attracted to Field Notes, which is another kind of notebook. It's a small notebook. You can find them at fieldnotesbrand.com. It's like a pocket notebook. You know, each notebook is 48 pages, and it's uh, usually like a grid uh, paper design, kind of a fine grid. But it's really high quality, uh, just just little pocket notebook for just writing down lists and notes and, you know, just mini journal entries, to-dos, that kind of a thing. So I got hooked on the what they call the colors line. They have this limited edition set of field notes notebooks that you can subscribe to, right, for over the course of a year, and you get four mailings. And what they do with colors, like the normal one is just, it's kind of based on the kind of early 19th century kind of, uh, uh, or early 20th century uh, kind of architect or not, uh, agricultural notebooks, you know, uh, that farmers would use. Uh-huh. Uh, but these colors, they take them and they, they do these, the most amazing things with them. Last, the last colors, uh, set was, uh, just this beautiful, uh, kind of thick coated, dark paper, uh, with gold leaf on the edges. It was super classy. Uh, I'm using one of those right now. This one just came out yesterday. It's called the, the two, rivers edition they went to hamilton wood type and printing museum and the hamilton folks created completely custom inks and covers for this this month's custom line of field notes notebooks and i got mine in the mail yesterday and i opened them up and they are just beautiful if you're into hand type if you're into wood type and printing uh and you're into taking notes by hand which i i also love these things are so much fun. It's a complete surprise. You never know what you're going to get, but you get two packs of three every three months, and they smell incredible. They smell <laughs> like history. That's so it's, cool. It is so difficult for me to use. It's like a fight to open them up because I just want to save them forever. There's, it's such a wonderful little gem of, of note-taking. So I use my field notes, and I use my Lamy Safari uh, fountain pen, which is totally rugged and that is my note-taking set uh, and it keeps me on top of ideas and and to-dos and things when i'm not at my computer and i just love it so i want to cool. i want to shout out to fieldnotesbrand.com go subscribe to colors and get yours you'll uh, it's really a fun little thing they are not a sponsor we've never we've never talked uh, <laughs> but they are just really great so that's it. And you'll put it in the show notes, I assume. Oh, absolutely, I will. I'm so excited. This is this this one is really a, a clever bit of design uh, and fun frivolity in awesome. these little notebooks. That's all. That's all I have. Check it out. All, all right. right. Well, let's, I like it. Let's talk about parenting, shall we? 
Yes, but I want to talk <laughs> before we get to that. I swear <laughs> we will get to the topic, but I got to tell you something that happened and it has to do with parenting because oh, it's, it has to do with my son and, and organizing decluttering. So it's kind of that spring is in the air. Um, so there's a milestone that happened in my son's life that I was not aware was going to happen because he's my firstborn and, um, I've never parented anybody, you know, before him. <laughs> so, as far as we know. Yeah, as far as we know. <laughs> Thanks, Pete. <laughs> we know this for sure. <laughs> so, One no, of us but, does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, this is fun. I can do this all hour. Okay, so this milestone happened in, in his life. He, um, I'm sure he will so appreciate me talking about this. He came over, or he basically had a friend over on Friday, and this was like last week, and the friend went into his bedroom and looked at this corner of his bedroom, which has like shelves in his, in his closet. And this corner, I wish I had a picture, but I never took a picture of it. It is awful. I mean, if you can imagine a sixth grader, you know, 12-year-old boy bedroom with shelves in a closet, it was a mess. And he has these bins that he just put a bunch of stuff in and everything was unorganized, not categorized. It was just a huge mess, lots of trash. At one given point in, or at one point in time, my son decided to collect uh, juice boxes. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't question. I want him to be creative, whatever. Are you going to make a big castle out of juice boxes? I don't know, but I let it go. But every time I went in there, I'd be like, oh, Jaden, we really got to do something about this corner. I know, I know. No, like we really need to do, I mean, this is terrible. You can't even get to your dresser because at one point he had so much stuff he couldn't even get to the dresser. Oh, I know I will. I will. But he never would. Like every time I would say, let's go organize your room. Let's get, you know, let's get some stuff out. You know, he wouldn't do it. <laughs> let's get those juice boxes out. I mean, he had hundreds of them, people. Oh, I mean, my goodness. It's just ridiculous. No, no, no. I've got this plan. I had a plan for these juice boxes. <laughs> like, you know, you're going to get ants in your room because they're going to, you know, be attracted to that. Oh, I don't care. And the ants never came. Like if the ants had come. Oh, then yeah. Maybe... Then you would have had something. Yeah. But no, they just like decided not to come. So nothing was happening. I mean, they just sat there. So anyway, last Friday, he had a friend come over and his friend said something about the corner. He's oh. like, man. That's a mess. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'm gonna org- I'm gonna organize that this weekend. <laughs> so and so his friend leaves, and literally, you know, he comes downstairs. He's like, I, I gotta organize my room. I, I gotta get this stuff out. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so, um, he took boxes of stuff and took it all out of his room and only kept what he wanted in his room. Well, the milestone here, as other people will probably relate to this, but it didn't even dawn on me, was he was taking his toys out of his room. Like he's, oh. he's like all of a sudden. He didn't want toys in his room, Pete. And I don't think, I honestly, I mean, this this kid that he is friends with is a great kid. So I don't think he was making fun of him or saying, oh, you still have Legos or whatever. But for whatever reason, something has shifted in my son's mind that I don't need these toys in my room anymore. Well, I was telling a friend of mine about this and she's like, and she has a couple of kids who are a little older and she's like, oh yeah, he's in sixth grade. Yeah. Oh, pfft, that's, that's about the time when it happens. Wow. Middle school. The toys leave the room. Yeah. You're like, in, you're in this like rite of passage type of thing going on right here. And I'm just like, oh, 
Yeah. I didn't really think of that. Suddenly there's a little man in your house. Yes. And so um, anyway, he did a great job because now the corner is, is everything is gone. I mean, he, he, he basically put everything in boxes. And then I spent literally four hours yesterday um, putting things into categories. So he still has like a box of Legos, a box of Minecraft stuff, all of the stuff that he likes. He doesn't want me to get rid of it. He just wants me to put it away so it's not in his room and <clears throat> we have kind of this attic storage area that I can do that pretty easily um but I got rid of four bags of trash he decided to get rid of the um the juice boxes thank god yeah so the juice boxes are all gone that was an extra bag so we actually had five bags of trash um and it felt great. And what feels so good to me about it is that his room is so clean and so, you know, not, not like it was. Um, but it, we are, we were also able to kind of get rid of the excess stuff that just didn't matter. I mean, the trash and all that stuff. It was just like those juice boxes were driving me crazy. But wow. anyway, so that was a big deal. And now we're going to talk about parenting. And I had to talk, you know, I just had to bring that up. Well, I'm because- glad you did. You know, I, I remember when I did that and I, I sent, uh, I packed them up in boxes. I packed everything up in boxes and I wrote on the boxes, do not open on pain of death all over the boxes. Like it was stamped. And I taped it up with so much packing tape that, that it, you know, you would have thought I was putting it in the Indiana Jones government vault. You know, it was mm-hmm. it was hermetically sealed uh, as if I was going to submerge it for a thousand years. And I get this call from my mom uh, about 10 years ago. You know, they were planning a move and they said, yeah, we found all these boxes that said do not open on pain of death. So we opened them up and, you know, it's all your toys. And I was incensed. Because I packed them up when I was in middle school, and I, I wrote on them intentionally, do not open, on pain of death. What about that, mother? Did, Did you, you not, not understand? understand? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right. So let's talk about, uh, let's talk about parenting. Okay. So I uh, have a couple of things that um, I want to talk about. And like, as you mentioned, there was a Facebook request. I had written a question a while back that we were going to be doing the podcast. Was there any ideas? And she, her, her question was, you know, are there any strategies or ideas that you have on disciplining children with ADHD and also kind of the things to stay away from? And I thought this kind of tied in nicely for this last subject that I want to talk about with Brene Brown and kind of what I got from her on parenting. And so we're going to talk a little bit about um, what I took away from from listening to her and then how that ties into the question from Facebook. Excellent. One of the things that she says in, in the... Uh, in the lecture that, that we have posted in, in the show notes is that we perfect our children. Um, so from the day that we first hold, you know, our little babies, we think that they're perfect and, and we want to keep them that way and we want to keep them protected. We want to shelter them, you know, from any kind of pain and, and failure and, and, um, you know, we, we want to prevent them from, from making the mistakes that we made. And, and one of the things that she said in an interview that I, that I heard later was, you know, especially like when it comes to middle school, right, we have these, these memories of maybe being hurt or or um, that mean girl, you know, or getting picked on or bullied because in middle school, they're just so much, that's kind of when they're forming their little identities and mm-hmm. stuff. And, and I can really relate to that on a personal level with where my son is. And, uh, but, you know, she goes on to say that the reality is, is we are all hardwired for struggle, that we live in this imperfect world. Life is not fair. Bad things are going to happen. Um 
and and it's not our job to say that you're perfect and and let's keep you that way um it's more about, you know, when you make mistakes, when you do fail, when you do get hurt, our job is to make sure that they know they're always worthy of love and belonging. And that's where she goes off, you know, to talk about this worthiness and and everything that we talked about last week. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that really hit me because I kind of had this visual in my mind when she had that swamp land that we call shame, you know, that, that our job is really about, getting our boots on with our children and getting them through that swamp land. But it's not necessarily about preventing them from feeling that pain or those mistakes and things like that. Um, and it's interesting because I have never claimed that my children are perfect in any, in any way. In fact, I'm probably the first one to assume that it's their fault <laughs> when something bad happens. It's like, Oh boy, what did he do? <laughs> I'm not the parent in the parent, you know, conference uh, with the teacher saying, well, my son would never do that or my daughter would never do that. That that isn't me. But I do have an incredible sense of um, where I want to protect them from getting hurt. And I have a great deal of anxiety about how they feel about themselves. Um, You know, I want to know what's going on with school. I want to know what's going on with their friends. Are they happy? You know, if they're getting picked on, how are they handling it? Are they getting picked on? I don't know. And that like concerns me. Like I want to know, like, I wish I could be a fly on the wall. Right. Right. And uh, so I think that when I, again, I don't, I don't personally relate to the word perfect. Like I don't, I don't, necessarily resonate with that, but I do resonate with the fact that I want to protect them from getting hurt. You know what I mean? I do. I, I think the, the hardest thing to, to be able to let go of, and I think you're going like when you, when you experience your son doing these sorts of cleansing activities on his own, of his own volition, I think you're seeing him sort of take ownership of his own protection on some level right. uh, by taking ownership of his belongings in that way, you know, of, of the lifestyle that he wants to, to make and making his own choices of his space. Uh, and, and that involves, I, you know, what he doesn't know is just how much that involves uh, letting go on your part to watch him do that. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, right. I mean, he'll never know that until he's a parent himself, probably, right? Well, yeah, <laughs> until we, like, play this podcast for him and make, yeah. him, like, make him listen to it. And then, you know, maybe you should cry a little bit just right now. The pain of motherhood. <laughs> uh, well, and one of the things that I kind of take take away from this, too, is that I, I, I need to let go of whatever expectation I have. Like, I need them... And I, and, and I don't mean to come across like, gosh, I'm not that parent that says you have to play football because that's just, you know, I don't want to live my dream. Not that I want to be a football player, but you know how there's some parents out there that you definitely feel like they're trying to live through their kids. Um, so they press them and they keep wanting them to do things that maybe I, they don't want to oh, do. Nikki, I just had this experience. I just had this experience last weekend. You did? Uh, I did. And I had to have this conversation with, uh, with my son. You know, because, you know, he, he's taking ukulele lessons, right? And, uh, yeah, and he's, he's really good, but he hates practicing. Like everybody hates practicing. I, I couldn't stand practicing when I was his age either, but I do love that I can play things now. You know, that was an important part. And when he, when I tend to get frustrated when he doesn't want to practice, it makes me sad. It's like, it like hurts me. Mm-hmm. And I had to tell him, you know, I, I had to tell him I'm, 
I've got to let go of that. And I need you to know why I get frustrated. The reason I get frustrated is because every time you don't practice it, it, I realize that we are that much further away from my dream of being able to pick up a couple of guitars together and play a duet and sing a song together. Yeah. And that was, that was in some ways crushing and, and liberating for me to say, and he just held my hand and he just said, I get it, dad. I get it. I, and, and he, yeah, yeah. And he loves, you know, and, and, uh, you know, we haven't had to have that conversation since like he, if you call it, I don't know, I guess a cynical person could call this manipulation, but in the end, like, I feel like we came to terms on, on our motivations. I told him I would be completely okay if he wanted to let it go or take a break, but he hasn't. He's, she said, let's just take it month to month and we'll see how it goes. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it was really great. But that was, that's exactly what you're talking about. I mean, for me, it was, it was coming to terms with and saying out loud, I'm frustrated because you are sacrificing my dreams. Right. And I, I, that's not fair to either of us. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sorry, I derailed you. No, that's, I mean, that's a really good example because yeah, me playing football was really not where I was going with that. (laughs) So I think that's good, but I do think that I've done some, I've done some deep thinking, um, about this as far as letting go. Uh, and I, I guess it's the social part of it that I want him to find his tribe. I want him to find, you know, the people that, that he is happy with and he, um, has the same interests and, and just let that, that be okay. Even if it's different than what I think he should have or want him to have or where, where I think he would be happier. What what do I know? I don't know, Nothing. you know, nothing. nothing. I know nothing. And so, um, it was a nice reminder of that, of just letting them kind of find their own way. And, and one of the things I heard her talk in an interview, which I thought was really interesting is if we, um, if we do continue to try to protect them from these experiences and, you know, I know I'm terrible at that, um, that, that it can take away some of their hope or perseverance, uh, characteristics or skills that they may have in the future, because, you know, where do we learn to persevere? Well, by falling, we have to, we have to fall to, to get back up, you know, where, where do we find our gratitude? We find our gratitude by, you know, when things go wrong, what are we grateful for? It's like, you have to kind of see the dark to see the light. Right. I mean, it's so true. And it's like, our children have to do that. We have to experience that. And, um, and I just thought that was, a, again, a really a strong message that I'm certainly going to going to take with me. Um, well, let's talk. Let's talk about the question, shall we? Yeah. Yeah. We got definitely. This, this listener question and somebody who wrote in very kindly who said, you know, we're looking for ideas or strategy on disciplining children with ADHD, what what not to do or say or stay away from. And so, you know, we were talking a lot about this sort of just general parenting and and, uh, you know, ways to avoid shame. But how do we pivot that into a discussion about, you know, addressing these needs of kids who are who are struggling with kind of learning not only about themselves, but about themselves and how their behavior is impacted by ADHD? Well, and that's a really good point is, you know, impact, how has the ADHD impacted their behavior? Um, We don't want to shame our children um, into thinking that they're bad, right? And it's, and so I would say that 
when you're disciplining, especially somebody with ADHD, it's, you know, be very clear that it's the behavior that you're not liking. It's not, it's not them that you don't like. Um, I also am a big advocate for people will call or not call. Um, well, you can call, you can call on that podcast. <laughs> yes. Call anytime you want. <laughs> That's right. So now you can call, but before people would write in and ask me questions, you know, like what would you do in this situation or any advice, you know, with, with my child who's struggling through this. And, and one of the things that I'll say is that, um, you know, help them understand how their ADHD impacts them, you know, educate your child about what's going on with, with their brain so that they can see that it is, it it is just their brain wired. It's just the way they are. It's not good. It's not bad. I I, I get that from you, Pete, because you've always said that before. It's just what it is. And so, but I think if you can educate your child about that, then they can kind of see that separation. It's not, I'm not bad. Exactly. Um, I just, okay. I understand I have this tendency to forget. So what do I need to do to what, what systems do I need to put in place so that I can remember? But when I still forget it, because you're going to still forget it, it doesn't mean that you're a bad kid. Yes. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I think that's one of the things that we, we tend to forget when dealing with, uh, with these instances that otherwise we would want to use to kind of come down with a more traditional kind of disciplinarians approach to the right. relationship with our kids. Right. You know, they, they do something bad and do, well, that's bad. So there must be discipline involved. And, and I think the challenge comes when you're dealing with kids who have, who are, are struggling with ADHD is they, we have to remember they really are learning how to live in this body that isn't likely isn't like yours and coming to terms with that and what that means, means or it's they, too close like yours. Or, or it's too close like yours and so yeah. whatever the case they're they're having to to sort of test some boundaries in themselves uh and in the world around them to just sort of understand like what happens when i push on this uh and and this might mean be a trigger for you right? This might be something that, that really frustrates you. What happens when I, you know, push this book off the table? You know, I'm doing that because my body is telling me I have to push this book off the table. I can't sit still. Um, and your response is stop pushing that book off the table. And what you want to do is you want to like tape the book to the table and leave it there as a show of of force. But ultimately that's not the problem, right? The problem is right now you're not understanding that your child can't sit still and, there are there are some other issues at play that relate to ADHD. Uh, there's so much more involved with you know learning how to be at peace with this learning experience uh, of of relating than than going down this road of of discipline, right? Oh, absolutely. And it was interesting because I had a um, a conversation with a mom just in the last week where she was saying that her son, that she just didn't think her son cared. You know, he just doesn't care. He doesn't care anymore. He just doesn't care. And she kept saying that. And I said, you know, I would ask that you would stop assuming that he doesn't care because you don't really know. My guess is that he really does care, but he doesn't know how to cope with this. He doesn't, I mean, and and I kind of said, you know, think about, being put in this child's body and not really understanding how to process what to say, what's going on. You don't, I mean, all of the chaos that's going on in his head, frustration, he can't communicate it. Well, what is the best defense mechanism is to say, I don't care. Yes. But he really does. I'm like, Oh, he does though. He probably cares so much more than what you even know. Yes, absolutely. 
And so I think it is taking a step back and really um, analyzing the situation, like you said. I mean, how is the ADHD impacting and, and I don't know, getting down on their level, you know? Yeah. What are they seeing? And, and maybe this is just a way of them, of, of, of them trying to, to cope. And, and, you know, if you do that, and I, I can say this with some, some experience and not being obviously an ADHD expert, you know, and, and, but I can tell you that, you know, we've worked really hard. Uh, you know, my, my daughter's been, had, we've been struggling with ADHD for some time. And, and I say struggling, you know, learning how to, to live and go to school and, find ways to focus. And I can tell you, like I I go into her, you know, parent teacher meetings now that we've been practicing these sorts of behaviors and understanding, trying to understand each other better. Uh, and, and I can really see the results and in times when I would see her otherwise get frustrated and derail and just, you know, not, not be able to cope. Um, she's now able to, to use words to define what she's feeling and to use words to define what she needs. And that's really, I think, our end game, right, is to is to be able to step back from the in instant emotion in, in periods when we feel like we're ready, we're ready to melt down mm-hmm. as, as parents, to be able to step back from that emotion, like you say, to get on their level and teach them the language that they need and model the language that they need to be able to tell us. Uh, you know, when they need help, when they need certain support, when they need structures, because that's, we're seeing that pay off now. And it's been a long, long road. Well, and with that, I think a good addition is, you know, what we, how we model and how we talk to them and and staying cool and calm ourselves, especially when they have done something that just infuriates you, you know, um, whether it's disrespect or they, you know, whatever it is, doesn't really matter. The way that we react to them is going to really determine the outcome of how it all goes, right? Because there's just never been a time where um, I've yelled and, and it, you know, that helped. Yes. <laughs> it just escalated everything. That's if I right. can stay calm and, um, and validate however they're feeling, you know, I think if I can make sure that they know that they've been seen and they've been heard, we've talked about this before, it is incredibly important and it, it, it is very empowering to your children. Um, because it doesn't have to be a yelling match, you right. know, and, and I can also be very expressive and just say, you know what, I'm frustrated right now. I'm stressed out. I am disappointed. I can kind of name and label the feelings that I feel so that they can see that. And then, you know, they can start saying that too. Like, I am so frustrated. Like that may not come out first, but if they hear me say that, then well, I'm frustrated too, mom, right, right. <laughs> you know, um, it's certainly not to say that that's going to, to solve all your problems. But, um, I think if you can stay cool, take a few de- deep breaths, if you need to walk away, if you need to, it, it can certainly make a difference on, on how the, uh, conversation goes. Um, something else that I read recently in one of my ADHD, I don't know if it was I honestly don't remember the source. It might've been attitude magazine or something. Mm -hmm. I don't remember, but they were talking about, um, having quality, happy time together with your children and how important that is, is to make sure that the relationship isn't just always based on nagging, like, okay, time to get ready for school. Um, 
You're, right. you're late. Come on, hurry up, hurry up. You know, there's that stress involved in that relationship, getting ready for school. But to really have that one-on-one quality time of going to the park and just playing and not being on a time schedule and not, you know, not rushing and not being unhappy, but just being in a really happy place. And I thought that's really powerful because the bigger or the more you can really develop that part of your relationship, I really feel like the bad parts aren't going to be as bad. Yes. Yeah. And that, you know, I think that's a really important observation. And that is that it takes just as much practice to cool down in a time of potential, you know, upset, rage, meltdown, as it does to practice being happy. Right. And free with your kids. Right. I think that's, that's a challenge because when you're, when you're in parent mode, you're on, you're on, right. You're in parent mode. And, and sometimes you just need to be a goof. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that we learned from our family therapist a few years ago was to try to prevent the meltdowns from happening. Um, and I know we're talking about, and we're probably crossing over a little bit from discipline to meltdowns, but my, the, the, the meltdowns I see in my family are usually resulted by me trying to give them a consequence, like by me trying to give them discipline, a meltdown happens. And so, that's why I kind of see the relationship of, of how they kind of work together. Um, and so we'll try to kind of plant the seed a little bit. You had said the word trigger earlier, and I think it's important to kind of know what the triggers are for our kids. So if we know that they've done something and there's going to be a consequence, sometimes it may not be the best time to bring up that consequence right in the middle of the argument, you know, right. uh, and I've done that a couple of times with, with my kids of after everybody's kind of cooled down. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, this wasn't right. So we need to talk about what's going to happen, but it's after that initial shock or whatever it is that, ha- you know what I mean? Yes. Um, you know, for example, this hasn't happened to my kid, but I can see it happening really easily. You know, you, you get a phone call from the principal's office and your child got into a fight. You know, your initial reaction is going to be upset. You're going to be mad. You're going to want to know what happened and what his involvement was and stuff. What I'm saying here is let's not give the consequence when you're having that initial conversation. You might want to take a step back and then be able to process stuff and then decide how you're going to approach that. Um, if that makes sense. And I'm not a parenting expert by any means. I mean, this is, I'm not pretending to be, um, this is based on my own study and, and research on ADHD and then my own personal experience. There you go. Well, I I love it. Uh, What? Any final tips as we get into wrapping up here? Two. I have two more tips. And this one, man, this is hard for me um, because this is very personal. I think I have finally, and I hope that this stays true even as my kids get into teenage years. I feel like I've finally gotten to the point where I'm not concerned about what I should be doing with my children. Oh, that's so big. I know. I have to like breathe. I, and, and, and then I say, I think this is a work in progress, but I really do feel that I have come to peace with knowing that I am the best mom to my kids. I know my kids better than anybody. And whether you judge me or say I'm doing something wrong, it doesn't matter to me anymore. I don't care. I really don't care as long as I'm doing the best thing for my kid. Period. Yeah. 
Um, I have no problems being their advocate when I need to be, um, you know, I have no problems. I, I, I don't necessarily want to be their best friend. That's not what I'm trying to do here as I'm raising my children. I, I don't want to be their friend. I am their parent. Um, but I'm going to let go of the expectations of, you know, why well, I shouldn't do this or I shouldn't do that. Or am I making the wrong choice? What are people going to think? And this is tough. I mean, this is tough, but I, I really do feel like I'm at that point now. And I hope, I hope it continues because it's a good place to be. I'll tell you, it really is. It's free. Yeah. Liberating. Yeah, it really is. Last point that I want to bring up is I mentioned our family therapist and, um, you know, I, we've had a couple of different therapists, um, in our lifetime with our children and, uh, we don't go to them regularly. We, we, but I know that they are there when we need them. Um, if I need them. And of course, as your kids get older, they, the, the issues change and the ADHD issues will change. Um, and I just want to encourage people to, you know, reach out for that help. If you're at a, a breaking point and you really just don't know what to do, uh, there are lots of psychologists and who specialize in ADHD with children, you know, ch- children, psychologists who specialize specialize in ADHD, um, they can give you some phenomenal tools, resources, support. Um, they can talk to your whole family as a unit. They can talk to each of you individually. They can talk to the child. I mean, there's so much that they can do for you. And I just really want to encourage people to, to do that. That's a, that's a different service than what coaching does. Um, and I just really believe in that because I know it's, it's helped us at some really, you know, tough times. Well, that is a, that's that's a powerful message to close with. I think it's, um, I I think that's just right. And, uh, you know, let people, let others who know, let others who know, uh, remind you that you are largely the best influence on your kids. Yes, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. I think, I think that's good. I think we're good. I think we are. This was good. Thanks for hanging in there with us, folks. I know this is a little bit of a longer episode, but we appreciate you for listening. And, and uh, don't forget to uh, uh, check out those uh, the uh, uh, group coaching, small group, virtual group coaching. Uh, only two more weeks. And uh, send us a voicemail. We'd love to hear your voice. 503-664-4ADD. Thanks, everybody. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch you next week on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. <laughs>